Hey everyone, how's it going? Welcome to the Know Your Gear podcast episode 288. You know, we often talk about gear, but we don't talk about uh, learning and playing. And that's because this is a gear channel and I expect you uh, would go to the channels that teach uh, how to play for that information if you're going to YouTube information and go to the gear channels for the gear information. Um, but the question came up uh, was, what online YouTuber do I recommend? And I've told this in the, in the past, you know, I like Robert Baker, I like Tyler Larson, I'm friends with those people. Um, and I believe it or not, I've taken a lot of these courses. I tried to do a video where I would go through all the courses and kind of give you guys feedback, but it didn't work out. I reached out to some of them, some of them like either had courses to send me, some of them didn't. But I, I have to tell you that um, I took a course. <laughs> so I'm gonna share that with you because uh, believe it or not, uh, well, you'll believe it because I'm going to because what's going to happen. Um, it's from my friend Tim Pierce. So for for disclosure sa sake, disclosure sake, disclosure sake. <laughs> just, look, just so you know, I'm totally biased. I love Tim Pierce. Uh, he is one of the nicest people I've met on YouTube, and um, and uh, he is definitely one of the people that I was like, if I can only meet one. If this YouTube thing takes me to the point where I get to meet other YouTubers, if there's one I can meet, it would be Tim Pierce. In fact, that's how I met Tim Pierce, so you know. Uh, I just want to tell you this story. As I was at the 2018 PRS event uh, and uh, that I flew to, and when I was there, he was standing in somewhere talking to somebody. I walked up, I waited, and when he was free, I said, hey, I just want to let you know I love your channel. And he looks at me and goes, I love your channel. And I need to talk to you. <laughs> and I'm like, oh, okay. And uh, ever since then, he has been one of the biggest champions for my channel ever. And uh, sweetest guy. In fact, uh, he wanted to do a collab video. So I did a collab video on his channel. And I, I begged him uh, to take my Know Your Gear riff and turn it in a song he did. If you hear the song at the end of videos, that's Tim Pierce not only wrote that, but he performs it based on my riff. Um, and it's his performance and recording. Fantastic. So where does this lean with you guys? Well, um, I... I, uh, I took some courses from some YouTubers. That's basically what I'm getting at. And there's something about Tim Pierce's course I want to share today because there is a thing that people aren't aware of that they have, and this is from years and years of running a lesson academy. As you guys know, I had a music store for almost 13 years. I also had a lesson academy for 14 years. <laughs> so uh, how does that work? Well, there's a, a thing I like to call Swiss cheese syndrome or a Swiss cheese effect, whatever you want to do. I call it, I call it that. Um, guitar players, it's basically guitar players that are Swiss cheese. And what that is, is there are guitar players that are starting out and they need to learn the fundamentals. They need to learn how to play guitar. And there's guitar players that have learned a lot of stuff and they need to continue to learn. And then there is what I believe the bulk of guitar players. And it's what I specifically, when I had hire teachers for the academy, we would always hire teachers that knew how to handle this. This is the biggest problem. And the re main reason is, is our biggest customer base was the fact that we nestled up the uh, academy next to Intel. There's a big Intel facility, microchip, all these basically high six-figure earning jobs. And a lot of those professionals obviously buy expensive guitars and want to learn guitar just like they want to learn golf and other things. And, and believe it or not, there's a lot, there's a problem we came across real fast, which is called the Swiss cheese effect, where they know things like they know how to play some chords and they know some theory. They, they picked up things over the years and they've started and stopped so many times that there's holes everywhere in their theory. There's holes everywhere in their performance. And it is almost impossible uh, in my opinion, to go back and start you from the beginning because as you learn the beginning, you're like, yeah, I already know this. I know the basics. I know a pentatonic. I know a, these chords. 
And um, so I'm going to be recommending lesson courses on the uh, podcast like I am today. And the first one I'm going to recommend is Tim Pierce's. And here's why. Because I actually, I actually improved dramatically just taking his course. Um, the other courses I will be sharing with you uh, from other YouTube channels, and I'll tell you what I think about them. But I'm telling you what I like about uh, Tim Pierce's right now. If you have what I just described, if you feel like you know some stuff and you don't know other things, or you've learned pieces, but you're not connecting things, well, here's what's great about his course. Uh, it's obviously you could take it and learn everything from start, but more importantly, you can um, you can go and skip in his category in his in his uh, academy, I guess, I guess whatever you call it, the system, and kind of find things that are going to help you. For me, I had a couple issues, and I went. I skipped over like most his courses and went right to a couple of things and it literally plugged in those holes for me. Um, so I talked to uh, Tim and his, and he has like, I don't know what you call it, management or whatever. Um, and uh, I'll put a link down below. They're going to give you guys 30% off if you do that. Now I know you guys hear that stuff all the time, but this is something I asked for because I said, hey, I'm going to be suggesting your lesson course. Is there something we can do? And they came up with a better idea than me. I said, hey, how about a discount? They came up with a better idea. So uh, if you Click down below in the next two weeks, just like when we do a lot of stuff, I always give you guys two weeks because I know it's not always payday and there's always situations. Uh, if you click the course, you'll get 30% off, which basically takes like a big chunk of the lesson course. You know, it makes it more affordable for the year. But more importantly, um, you don't have to do anything and I don't have to do anything. If you click and buy that lesson course on the on my code, the Phil30 code, Tim and I are going to do a special like lesson just for you guys, a live interactive lesson. Um, and they said they'll track all that. They'll do everything. You guys will be notified in his system. So you don't have to do anything. So, um, and I don't know what that's going to be, but it's going to be me and him. Uh, and you, you know, just like a live QA kind of thing. Uh, he does, uh, uh, live QAs with his students, uh, monthly and sometimes weekly. And I guess it's just, just for you guys, it'll be just us talking about everything. Uh, and, uh, so that's what they, I thought it'd be cool. So it's a collab, it's a collaboration. So, uh, if you guys are interested, so interested, I will be doing a video of it specifically as well, but Again, I want to give you guys the heads up. And I want to talk about that Swiss cheese thing because that, that really leaned into that question, which is it's okay to have holes <laughs> everywhere. Um, and sometimes you don't need to learn new things. Sometimes you need to refine what you learned already. And that's what happened with me. There was a bunch of stuff I knew, but I didn't think about um, how I could just change the feel and how I played it. And it dramatically kind of gave me a new kind of gave me, feel like I gave me new licks, new, new tricks, and I didn't have to learn anything new. So there you go uh, on that. I'm super excited about that. So I wanted to share that with you because uh, it's anytime I can work, work with Tim Pierce, I'm always happy. And so this will be fun. And I'm excited uh, for, uh, for doing a collab, uh, like hangout live thing for whoever signs up. All right. So there you go. Uh, let's, <laughs> let's, uh, let's, uh, should we do some questions? We'll do some questions. Let's do some questions. Then we'll talk about the Phoenix Guitar Show and what I bought and what it was like. Um, let's go to... Okay, uh, Christian says, Hey, Phil, I enjoyed your video of the installation of the Duesenberg. Uh, Duesenberg Trimlo, but what about Duesenberg guitars? Have you tried uh, them uh, when you were in Germany? Greetings from Berlin. I did not try them when I was in Germany. I did try them, however, at the NAMM show uh, a couple of times. I even uh, highlighted them in my How Do You Say video, How Do You Say Duesenberg. And um, and uh, I've played them, and uh, they're really cool. 
you know, it's one of those things. Like, I don't have any need for a hollow body. I have a Gretsch hollow body that I like that has a tremolo. And, uh, you know, it's kind of like there's no reason for a second one. Uh, so there's no reason to, to, to look at another guitar. If I was going to have a second hollow body, that would be one of the ones I would... Oh, I actually have it behind me. <laughs> that my, my Gretsch, my limited edition Gretsch. Um, and... Uh, and uh, I don't know if they send out guitars to for you know re- the reviews of the deep dives, but if they ever did, I would definitely do one. So that would be one. I'm really really interested in getting more guitars that are just not the same guitars you see on every channel all the time. I'm really trying to look for looking for a differentiator in the. I'm getting kind of burnt out on you know I'm the 50th person to do the same video as everybody else. It's really kind of wearing on me and so uh emotionally wearing on me so you know it's just it's what's killing it sometimes I'm I'm sitting here trying to make a video and to be honest with you all I'm thinking about is how you don't want to watch it and I don't want to make it and that's just not a great feeling so I'm trying to look out for stuff like that so thank you so much Christian for bringing that up because it was one of those brands where it's like yeah maybe them maybe somebody different and unique so uh there you go uh thank you for talking about it and put it back on my radar um Let's see. Another early question or question I saw was, Alexander wants to know, Phil, do you have a favorite graphic EQ pedal? Uh, Mine is the Boss GE7. There's no reason for that. I could say that the MXR is uh, better. I could say a lot of pedals are better. I just like it. It's tried. It's true. It's easy. And I bought it for probably 50, 60 bucks somewhere used a long time ago, and it's been working ever since. Um, And, uh, and then he says, also, uh, any intentions on making any early 60s single coil pickups in the future? Thanks. The only single coil pickups I make are the Copperheads, which are a replica, basically, of a late 60s single coil with uh, a twist, obviously, a massive twist. And um, um, so not really, not no intentions to do that. Um, you'll see why, unfortunately, you'll see uh, very soon when all the projects all kind of hit like dominoes, you'll see what I've been up to for the last two years. <laughs> Some of this stuff has been two years in the making. Uh, what's coming out, and it's a it's going to be a lot. And so you'll see why uh, I'm not adding anything to the current projects I'm doing with pickups and stuff. Um, okay. Um... Uh, Hexit says, are Chapman guitars well-built um, or are they another encore pretending to be Fender? Um, the uh, Chapman guitars, I've reviewed a Chapman guitar, obviously. Uh, I think I've reviewed two or three. Definitely two, maybe three. Played a few. They are obviously made either by, well, they, the first ones are made by World in Korea. And I think now maybe Cortec or somebody like that makes them in Indonesia. I'm not sure. Yeah, they're built well as anything on the on the market for that, except for you know, they don't have all the, like to me, and I've said this before, Schecter guitars, I always highlight Schecter for this reason. One of the things I love about Schecter guitars is their business model, okay? They're a business model. It's like, okay, Schecter's in California. They have the guitars built overseas, obviously in Indonesia and Korea, and then they have a filtering process once they get here. And like I, and I've said this before, they mark the ones that are seconds and blimps, and then they sell them off. I think there's a dealer in New York or somewhere that buys them all. You always stumble across them every once in a while on like reverb and stuff where he's got like tons and tons of B-stocks. And he, I'm, my understanding is he's, he like buys them all, whatever they have. 
And that's what I love about them is that they have a secondary filtering system like QA and that they can ensure that you're getting a better quality guitar. You don't really see a whole lot of bad Schecter guitars on the market because of that second system. I believe if you're going to do mass-produced high-level guitars, everything should be like a sifting system. It should be filtering and filtering and filtering so that the end user, because they're going to make a lot of bad guitars. They make a lot of guitars fast. They're going to make a lot of guitars bad. That's just the, the this is how the thing works, right? You can't, you can't tell somebody they only have 10 minutes to work on frets and then expect all 600 or 6,000 guitars that they, that pump out that month are going to look great. So, and obviously when the manufacturer is doing your QA for you, because that's essentially how it works, usually I don't know if Chapman has a representative of the company there at the factory, but I usually, in my experience, only the bigger companies have that. Every once in a while you see that as a, that's an actual job position. You'll see a company posted on their website like, hey, looking for a QA person and the job in, 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 in it is where you're going to live in China or Indonesia. <laughs> you're going to be their, their representative on site to inspect the guitars before they they get shipped out and to make sure the process is being handled right, correctly. So there's usually somebody on staff like that. Um, I don't think Chapman has somebody like that. I don't think so. They're usually, I, that's usually a expensive. It's very inexpensive endeavor to have somebody on site in a manufacturer like that. So what I'm basically saying is they're good quality, but you'll see more issues because of that. But that's why you buy from reputable sources when you buy guitars like that, right? Um, and some companies, in my opinion, they don't filter very well. Uh, I'll say Squire for that. Their filtering isn't as good, in my opinion, as Schecter's. But their return policy and their warranty stuff, their infrastructure is built on the back end. So in other words, once you have a bad uh, Squire, there's a lot of resource to take care of you, either exchange it or fix it or what have you. So I think Fender kind of looks at it that way, like, hey, let's just get the guitars out there and then we'll handle each person and we'll take care of them as they go. And where Schecter isn't looking to have a lot of back-end costs, like a lot of warranty work and a lot of stuff like that, and not trying to have, you know, uh, hundreds of dealers that are that are warranty centers. They're, they're literally trying to stop it before it gets out because that's a great way in a smaller size company, Schecter being a big, small company, um, to save expense. From my experiences, that's what I've learned. <laughs> okay. Um, uh, da, 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 da. Okay, I'm looking at your guys' comments, looking at your stuff. What are you guys talking about? I have no idea. Maybe this is a good segue. Okay, I got some super chats. I got some stuff, but let's segue. Let's talk about uh, let's talk about the Phoenix Guitar Show I went to uh, last Saturday. A lot of you, I met a lot of you. Uh, thank you guys. It was nice. I shook a lot of hands, which was really strange because <laughs> you're like, I don't know. We haven't been doing that for a while, and now we're shaking hands again. Uh, got a lot of vitamin D outside, which is fantastic, and I got to see a lot of cool stuff. So I am going to start with an apology to any company that I dis I just <laughs> I missed. Uh, in other words, that I'm missing right now. So I'm going to share you some of the stuff. Uh, Nathan was there at the event. Nathan did my Instagram takeover, uh, and he took up a lot of pictures and did a lot of stuff. So uh, uh, let me see what I have here. So first off, uh, Tams uh, Thompson Thompson Guitar and Thrift is an online parts company. They sell affordable, like made in Korea parts online so you guys could check them out they are actually uh the co-host of the event so that's who reached out to me originally and said hey we'd like you to be part of the event so i got to meet them in person i, I talked to them on the phone once 
Got to meet them in, the, in person. So again, really cool stuff. Uh, their uh, Warp Core pickups were there. I'd never seen them before. They're from Tucson. He does really crazy um, bobbins, like colors. Like he did sparkle finishes and transparent plastics and all kinds of plastics. Um, the pickups, when I got into the pickups and talking to him, there wasn't a whole lot there that interested me in the way that they, the way they talked about how they sounded, but the looks, I think it's like a more, more so more the looks kind of thing is there is their claim to fame. Um, totally Wicked Audio pedals were there. Uh, and again, didn't know that they were localized either. <coughs> Excuse me. And of course, Guitars for Vets were there, which was really great. As you guys know, I try to raise uh, a good a chunk of change every year for Guitars for Vets. Um, that is my go-to. They are my go-to. And so is uh, St. Jude's Ch uh, Children's Hospital are my two big charities that I push, especially on companies if they uh, want me to do a video. Um, that's, uh, like I said, if a company tries to get me to work for free, I always tell them, look, I'll work for a charity for free. I'm not going to work for you for free. And uh, so I give them the amount I want to donate to charity, and then I'll consider uh, doing, well, I'll do it, obviously, if they make the donation to charity. And uh, and uh, and then I do the video. Um, so very rarely does that get disclosed to you guys, because unfortunately, or fortunately, depending on how you look at it, this is a different time in the world. And obviously, there's everything is political and everything is evil and and fighting and people are mad about every damn thing you can think of and believe it or not it's sad but it is true that sometimes the company's like okay we'll donate but please don't mention the donation because they you know uh, it's a it's a thing <laughs> i mean it's just a sad thing but it's a thing so hey look all it really matters is is the donation happens in my opinion so guitars vets is one of the ones i like to push uh because uh it it's uh for vets with uh, ptsd uh, so they were there at the event as well, which is really cool. And then uh, also there was, uh, I'm going to do this one last, there was a Henny Guitars. I'd never heard of them. And Muse Guitars, again, local if you're in the area. Pedaly was there. If you guys usually see Pedaly there, they hang out on the channel. They usually kind of support the channel. Um, something really cool. They had, they, I thought, were killing it the most. Uh, they were selling the most stuff. Had a huge selection of pedals there. And, and, um, and uh, they uh, they also have a huge online presence. Um, there was a uh, Belsonic guitars. Now Belsonic guitars, I actually was that was probably going to be the guitar I was going to buy if I was going to buy a guitar at the show. Let me go back here. And uh, um, they had some for sale, but the ones I seems like every it was just luck of the draw. Everyone I looked at, I go, oh, that's the one. That's the one to buy. I'd pick it up. That was the one that wasn't for sale. Maybe that was the demo or somebody else's. But the ones that were sales uh, for sale were cool, but not really the ones I was looking at. Um, and, uh, what's great about Belsonic guitars, other than they're local in the Arizona, uh, uh, area is, uh, the builder was really cool. The guitars were very cool, had a very Fano kind of vibe, that kind of relic kind of thing, kind of, you know, different, maybe a little Reverend meets Fano kind of vibe, which I was really digging, but man, the, it's, it's, it was great to see the prices. Prices are on average about $1,500. So half as much as, like a, what a Fano would cost you, basically, uh, and uh, and definitely felt like quality to me. So really cool. Uh, so check those out, Belsonic. And then uh, I held this off for last, not last, but because I, um, then there was Space Llama pickups. Now, why I wanted to say them last is because that's what I ended up buying. I bought a set of pickups. Um, hold on. I know, as you guys know, I'm a pickup junkie. And Space Llama uh, is a is a husband wife team. It's uh, and just looking at this, these are a set of beautiful pickups. Let me share with you, and um, I'll be putting them in a guitar you're going to see soon, and there'll be a video about that. And I did buy these, so you know. Um, and uh, 
and it was uh, my privilege to to meet the people at Space Llama, uh, his and uh, and learn about how he winds his pickups and what he does. He's in Flagstaff, fantastic, and um, man, I, I just loved it. And and uh, I knew I was going to buy something that day, <laughs> and I was hoping it was going to be something. You know, not a new guitar because I was like, oh, do I need a new guitar? I, and uh, the pickups worked out. Believe it or not, I was actually bought a set of pickups and I was going to put them in one of my guitars. And then right then I go, you know, there's a guitar that these are perfect for. So I switched and got a different set of Space Llama pickups. So that was really cool. Um, the other thing that was cool that I got at the show, I didn't buy this, um, but it, it was really cool. Hold on. And um, hold on. And uh, what happened was the owner of Sound Sounds came up to me and uh, met me and gave me a nice note. And we talked for a little while, found out we actually kind of knew each other back when he, he ran Music Brokers and I had the shop. And uh, this is a MK2 Tone Bender clone uh, and uh, very cool pedal. So he makes these by hand in Arizona. And uh, so you can check out Sound Zounds. And sound, sound, sounds. See, I want to say Z sounds because with the Z's, but it's with S's. Sound and then sounds. And um, and uh, that was really cool. The pedal is fantastic if you're looking for a true uh, tone bender kind of fuzz. Very, very realistic. And literally, these are made by hand by him. You know, this is definitely a one-man operation. Cool kind of like thing that you don't get to see very often. Uh, and... Yeah, put together perfect. No, no BS, no nothing, just the quality components and, you know, don't have to be flashy looking because it's just a cool fuzz pedal. So those are the two things I got. I was very excited about those. I will uh, obviously be reviewing them to some degree and doing something with them just because I want to kind of show some, some thank you to the, to everyone I met at the show. Now, like I said, I probably missing, oh, I am missing a couple vendors, a couple people there, but those are the ones that I kind of remember and I had pictures of. <laughs> And I just thought I'd share the experience. It was really cool. I really enjoyed it. If you guys uh, were there, I think you enjoyed it too. And uh, it was small, but not too small. And uh, I'd like to see it grow and get bigger. So. <laughs> Fast Eddie says, we are getting to the point where there are too many guitar builders, pedal builders, and, and builders. I don't think so. I think the exact opposite. If you can, you know, I think it's kind of like, look, uh, you know, it depends on what world you want to live in, obviously. So it's your opinion. I'm not saying your opinion is wrong. I'm telling you why my opinion is different than yours. You know, I used to, I used to, I used to watch a couple TV channels and they fed me all the TV shows I watch. And those were the TV shows that everybody watched. And you know, maybe I liked them. I don't know. I don't know if I liked them because they were, that's all I had a choice of or because I liked them because, you know, they were good. Um, same thing with uh, guitars. Do I like Fenders? Because Fenders in every music store and was forced down my throat my entire life. Or, and that's the option I had. And I never got to see all the small builders that, you know, would I have picked a guitar built by somebody in their garage if I knew where they were? And same thing with pedals and same thing with pickups. And we live in a time now, same with music, you know, most of the bands that if you notice, most of the bands I mentioned on the channel is my favorite all time bands. This is a huge, I mean, I have, a, I have episodes of this podcast that have, you know, hundreds of thousands of views and hundreds of thousands of streams. And yet I mentioned a band that I absolutely love and 95% of you never heard of that band. And I think that's amazing. Not because I found a band that <laughs> you guys heard of. It's because 
I don't really go, okay, I'm going to listen to Pandora or Spotify to whatever the con, you know, the current playlist is. I'm looking for something new. I'm looking for a band that maybe, you know what, when I go see them at the club, maybe there's only 50 people that show up to the show, but they're great. And I love in a world where I get to find them now and listen to stuff. And I don't have to pay a fortune to go see a rock band that I've seen twice already. I can go see a new band. And same thing with pedals. I don't need sometimes another high production pedal. So I like that there's a lot more builders uh, doing things. I think it's more exciting. I think it's more exciting time. Um, and to get access to all this stuff. And uh, like I said about the the uh, a lot of the builders at this show, what I was overly shocked about was how priced aggressively everybody was. Nobody was throwing prices that were unrealistic at me uh, for guitars, for pedals, or for uh, pickups. Everything was in line with, wow. Um, for instance, uh, Space Llama was about 10% more than Seymour Duncan's but he winds them by hand. That may not mean anything to you guys, but uh, as I said to them and I said to you guys, I like it. I call it not boutique. I call it artisan. I like knowing that uh, Marcos, and I hope I'm saying his name right, Marcos uh, wound these. You know what I mean? This means something to me. Just like when I wind a set of pickups and I hope it means something to you guys. It's There's something cool about that. Can I get the same sound of a pickup for... I've already told you guys that the magic of pickups is not unicorn dust. So obviously you can get an import pickup that sounds fantastic. And there's nothing wrong with that too. You can save some money and if you can buy a pickup for 50 bucks or 40 bucks and it sounds great, it functions great. But as someone who's seriously into this at my level of, and what I mean by level, not playing level, just my level of just how much I enjoy this for, you know, decades now and spending, I'll spend a little bit more to have that kind of that moment, you know what I mean? That, that experience, you know, uh, it's kind of like when you travel, some people travel to, you know, Disneyland, which I love. And some people go to, you know, national parks. It's a different kind of feel. So I like that there's more. And I understand why some people think it's just too many. There's too many, but I don't, I don't have a problem. In fact, I have a joke. Let me share the joke with you. And a joke, it's a comment. Um, and it's a kind of like a funny musing, I guess is what I'll call it. I always thought it was funny. Like you go to a restaurant with a friend and they take an item away from the menu right? And they go, oh, that's ridiculous. I love that item. And I go, oh yeah, that's, that's horrible. I totally get why you're upset because you love this thing and it's gone now. But then there was something else happening once and it was an interesting thing happened was you went, I went to a restaurant with a friend. They still made the dish he loves, but they, they added a couple dishes and he's like, that's too, this is ridiculous. And I go, well, how can you be mad about and? That <laughs> was so confused. I was like, uh, and so to me, I'm still confused by and. In other words, there is a builder and another builder and another builder. There is a meal and another meal. There is a guitar and another guitar. And is just more variety. I don't really care about and. Um, the only thing I think, the only people that really probably don't want more builders is builders because it's more competition. But I like competition. I like the feeling of winning. <laughs> and I hate the feeling of losing, which is why I work so hard to not lose. And I think sometimes that ends up being in a lot of people's favor to, to kind of work, um, to work harder for you. Right. I don't, I don't like it. Um, I, I really don't enjoy it. Like when somebody comes to the house and bids me on a job, you know, bids a job to me and they know like I can't get anybody else. And the price is just whatever they deem necessary. I love it when you get three people out and you get three different quotes. And most of the time, uh, I, 
Uh, when I had my shop built out in my garage, I didn't pick the cheapest guy. Three guys came out, and uh, I did not pick the cheapest. I actually picked the most expensive guy. They weren't off by much, so I don't want to like, well, he's double. He was just a few hundred dollars more. I, I picked him because solely of one reason. Uh, I liked him. <laughs> That's it. I told my wife the same thing. I said I kind of liked him. I don't know what it is. I just got a good vibe, and I went with it. And uh, I loved having that choice. So I like that there's more builders. But again, if you don't like that there's more builders, I understand that too. But I like I like choices. I like selection. I like more. And I like and. <laughs> I like and. Okay. Uh, uh, couch. Couch. Game 3R underscore Z exclamation part says, does action height affect intonation? Absolutely. So uh, absolutely raising the height and lowering the height of the saddles will affect the intonation just as much as pushing the saddles back and pushing the saddles forward. forward. That's why sometimes when you adjust the height of your guitar, you have to now adjust the saddles uh, forward and back. So you will have to do the intonation. Now, here's the important part, and this is going to go to the core of your question, which is, do you have to set your intonation? In other words, will your intonation be out if you adjust the height? Not necessarily. It doesn't absolutely have to affect that um, because sometimes the adjustment is so micro amount, it's a micro amount that it doesn't really affect the intonation enough. So you'll be fine, but sometimes it does. So when you make adjustments, you need to be prepared to make adjustments to your intonation. But because you made adjustments does not mean you have to make adjustments to your intonation. So that's what's great. But you want to check it. So if I was adjusting the height of somebody's guitars, raising it and lowering it and making whatever adjustments, as soon as I do that, after I know I've set the action and everything the way I, I want it, then I would now check the intonation again. Even if I did the intonation before, I would check it again. So there you go. But a lot of times I don't have to make adjustments. It's good. Oh, the panda. Hey, uh, the panda says, will action on acoustic affect how bendable the strings feel? I think so. I mean, will it definitely do that? I don't think it will definitely do that, but I feel mo majority of time, sure, of course. Same logic with the strings through body on an electric guitar or where they wrap on the back of a of the stop tail, uh, all kinds like that. Sure, that stuff affects how something feels, especially when you bend it. So yeah, I have a little more trouble bending an acoustic with the action a little higher, the tension a little stronger coming over the, the brake angle, so to speak, of the uh, of the uh, saddle. Uh, but again, you know, it's it's a, uh, would everyone notice it? No, but I mean, yeah, if you notice it, I don't think you're crazy. I've noticed it too. Okay. <laughs> Steve, I don't know what Steve's question is. I'm confused. It says, Steve says, notice Phil didn't say he loves state parks. Uh, is that because all of that guitar wood just dying before they can become awesome guitars? Uh, oh, okay. He's going for the joke. I do. I was going to say, I do love state parks. In fact, um, I have one of the, uh, if you're a veteran, I don't know if you know this, but if you go to a state park and show your, on, on mine, it's on my driver's license, right? That's how it's done here. It says you're a veteran and uh, you show them proof that you're a veteran. They give you a state parks card. Uh, and you get in for free to every state park uh, across the country. I don't know if you know that. Uh, currently, the way it works, though, is it's good for um, the year. So I think, like, if you did it, you know, obviously November, you're only good to the end of this year. And they punch, 
or maybe it's 12 months. I have to look at my card. I don't have my wallet on me, uh, but I know they punch a hole in it. Maybe it's good for a, a you know a consecutive year or consecutive 12 months. I don't remember, but I know they're going to go to a lifetime one for veterans. So I just thought it was a good time to share that. I didn't know that, by the way, when I was at uh, a state park in Utah, um, my father-in-law and I are veterans. And when we were in, uh, in the car with the family and stuff, uh, the girl just happened to ask us, you know, the ranger just happened to say, uh, hey, are you veterans? Because <laughs> he had his Air Force uh, veteran, uh, retired Air Force hat on. And she's like, are you guys veterans? And we're like, yeah. And we showed her and she gave us these cards. So we got to go for free, which was, it was pretty cool, man. That was, uh, it's, a, it's a cool, it's a cool thing. I, I thought it was cool. So, and, uh, and now you have no excuse to not check out a state park. So, and national parks. Somebody's just saying state or national parks. I don't know. All parks, <laughs> state and national, all those parks. Yes. Flippity says active. Yeah, it's in military active. I don't know why we're digging it. It's just, if you served, you should ask the state park or the park if you get the card. <laughs> okay. Um, okay. All right, where are we going? I'm trying to get back to guitar stuff. How are we doing? I got a couple super chats, but I really want to kind of stay in this this screen real quick, real quick. Um, okay, I have no idea. Uh, Steve says, help. <laughs> My wife and I are arguing. What is the ratio for guitars per square meter at home? Okay, Steve, I, I think I know where you're going with the, this. Uh, I don't know. Uh, I don't <laughs> I never, uh, you know, I never thought about that. Like how many ha uh, guitars should you have in your house based on your house's size? Um, I can tell you right this, uh, this, this week was a uh, massive, uh, getting rid of guitars and amps. We got rid of a lot of guitars and amps. We still have a few more to go for sure. I say few, but the pile is pretty big. Um, uh, because you know, this is how it goes. I don't have that much room here, so I'm not going to, as I've said many times, you guys see this wall of guitars and you always say, it looks really impressive. This is pretty much it. There's, uh, I have a, a storage area, you know, closet storage area with guitars in there as well. That's why some of the stuff rotates out. And then of course I have a few in my bedroom, but, um, I try to, um, I try to keep it, uh, reasonable for me. <laughs> I don't know what that means. Considering I, I have these guitars coming in, uh, that sometimes are just here for the channel. So they're just here, but, um, I don't know. I, you know, I, I don't know if there's a square footage equation. What I, what I will tell you is if you, uh, if you're trying to battle the means, which is what I call the means when you have the means to buy guitars, uh, and you're not on a budget because some, some of you are lucky enough to like not have a budget and just buy whatever you want, which is good for you. Uh, I like to set a number and say, this is how many guitars I'll have. These are how many amps I'll have. And you know, you shall not pass kind of thing. And that way, if a guitar comes in something's going to go, as you guys know, if something comes in, it has to, something has to go for me. That's how I like to do it. Okay. Um, I will tell you, as I always say, uh, 
I can tell you this, most uh, wives that I've talked to in my life never complain about the guitars. They always complain about the cases, the amps, and maybe not the pedals, but they complain about everything but the guitars is what I've noticed. <laughs> so uh, that's why I don't have that many cases. I try to ditch cases. Uh, I always made a joke. Actually, it's kind of funny. I always make the joke because it's true that, you know, if you see a, a DiMarzio uh, strap lock on a guitar, that means that guitar is staying, right? It's it's not it's not going to go. It's, uh, you know, not likely to go anywhere. And it uh, doesn't mean some do have Dunlop strap locks, but uh, but most have, you know, the DiMarzio clip lock. And uh, but I can tell you for a fact that the guitars that I think are really going to stay don't have cases anymore. <laughs> Get rid of the cases because I don't need them. I don't. I uh, I have one or two guitars that if I go play anywhere, I take those two guitars. I like to abuse uh, the guitars I like to abuse, and the rest are just played here. And so if I don't have a case for it anymore, <laughs> it's a it's a it's a surefire bet that I'm keeping it because I have no way to transport transport it. Um, uh, and then PJ says, how long to try and bond with a guitar before you move on? You know, that's different for everybody. Obviously, if you have a return policy that you're worried about, that's one factor. But for me, uh, I, I don't think about it in, uh, I don't think about it in time of, of days or weeks or months. I think it is hours on play. So try to try to think of it like a pilot, right? How many hours in the air, not how many years on the job. Uh, I like that uh, kind of way of thinking. So to me, it would be like 100 hours on the guitar is a reasonable amount, 50 hours on the guitar. That's, that's you know, uh, let me put it this way. Just think of it, uh, of a guitar you like and think how many hours you put on that guitar. You know, kind of come up with your own kind of uh, process, so like how many hours. Uh, I would actually argue, what if I said you only played the guitar for an hour to two hours total? How would you bond with it? It would be my question. Um, and, and I will tell you this, if I don't like a guitar, it only takes me seconds, not minutes. Um, I can tell you all the time we used to, if anyone who's worked in retail guitars knows this to be a fact, which is you could watch customers, guitar players pick up a guitar and they would pick it up and immediately put it back like immediate, right? It took no time. They didn't go, mm, maybe, hmm, hmm. No, it was like, mm hmm. And they didn't realize it. And if you saw a guitar player where all of a sudden, not just they were sitting there playing the guitar, but they were holding on to it and they were just keeping it for a period of time, that usually meant they they were kind of like the guitar. So I find that to know I dislike to know I don't like a guitar doesn't take me very long. I know right away I don't like this guitar. Done, <laughs> right? Because that's that's instantaneous in what I don't like. The neck doesn't feel right. The weight of the guitar isn't right for me. It's poking me somewhere on my hand or my arm. There's something about the bridge. There's something I don't like, and that that is going to be hard to get around, right? Because that usually means I got to modify it or get used to it. And I probably don't want to do either one of those things if I'm not really loving the guitar. So to not when I know I don't like a guitar, that's fast. To know I like a guitar, that's not fast. Believe it or not, because <laughs> it takes a little while to figure out what is it about this guitar that's unique. What does it feel good? What does it do for me? Um, um, I have a uh, I have a, a guitar uh, that's kind of funny. That let me see if I can look at one and think of one that sticks out in my head. I actually I think it's the Nags. The recently it's been the Nags. The Nags neck is a little chunky, but it's a little different chunky than like say, let's say a Gibson Fifty Nine. And at first I instantaneously went. I didn't hate it. I just felt it was different. And after a couple hours playing on it, I just really liked it. It just really felt really good. And, uh, but it took me a little bit 
a time to get used to like what I liked about it. But the sound of the guitar is so good that it's one of those guitars. Like I'm just afraid not to have it now because if I want to plug into an amp, it's going to sound fantastic. So, so bond with it for set a set amount of time and, and say, okay, I'm going to play it. And that actually helps you as also with the whole, if you have a guitar that maybe you're worried that has to return, like in other words, you have a 30 day window to return. Don't think about how many days you have the guitar, think how many hours you put on it. Right. Uh, so when I, uh, so you guys know, when I review guitars, there's a certain amount of hours that I put on a guitar, uh, before I do the review. Uh, and, uh, I've, I've said this before. I thought about sharing this. I just don't know who would be interested in it. Um, I have an Excel spreadsheet on every guitar that I've reviewed, and there's a checklist of things that I do to the guitar to make sure that I, I do. And when I'm editing the video, I make sure I go back over the list and go, okay, did I talk about that? Did I talk about this? There's key things, like not just specifications, like it had, you know, wood body or something like that. Just there's specification checklist. There's performance checklist to make sure even when I demo the playing, some of the playing actually is more about making sure something got covered. Like for instance, was there one bend? Did I bend the guitar one? So you could see how it bent, you know, the note bend, uh, sounded, you know, and felt, did I play a full chord? Did I play a power chord? Did I, you know, I mean, there's a checklist. Did I play distortion? Did I play clean? Did I roll clean back distortion, right? So I have a list of things I try to achieve in every video, but not so much when I'm filming, but just achieve those things before so that I feel like I can give you guys a, um, a realistic expectation of what you might get. Because like I said, my end goal always is uh, that, that um, it's your money is important. And even if a company sends out a guitar, which I've said to many companies many times, especially with affiliate links. And by the way, the companies are starting to listen. Some of the companies are really started listening to the fact that before when they would see something I would critique as a negative, not all companies, some companies are still horrible, but <laughs> some companies are seeing it when I say, look, I can do a video about this product and you can see on the affiliate links now that they sold 50 of them. But I can see two weeks later that 25 of them got returned. So who did that help? It didn't help you guys because now you got 25 return guitars at a retailers, at your retailers. It, th that's not your goal either. That it's not about trying to pitch somebody uh, an idea so that they buy it. It's not, we're not infomercials, we're reviews. So the review is to help somebody maybe make an educated guess about, is this the right thing for them? And, and so I'm actually trying to kind of check mark a couple things that I go, oh man, if they're really into this or they really hate this, I need to point out that it has that problem because I think a lot of, it's going gonna, it's gonna to end in a return. So there you go. Uh, Clyde says, Hey, Phil, how can you tell if a guitar is good if it's not set up? That's a great question. And it's actually hard for me to answer. I mean, answer is I have the same problem. Uh, sometimes you pick up a guitar and you, it kind of, the, the action feels horrible. And especially if it's not just bad action, sometimes it's just not set up the way you like it. Maybe it doesn't have the same gauge of strings or the type of strings. Maybe those strings are corroded and dead. Um, so it's basically all you can do is pay attention to everything else. That's the, that's what I would recommend. So, uh, listen to it, you know, the pickups, how do they sound feel it, touch it to see again, like I said, is it comfortable on the forum? Is it comfortable in your hand? Is the neck profile comfortable? You know, in other words, if you can nail everything else, like, okay, everything else is right. The action's the only thing wrong. Then let's go ahead and assume that we can probably get the action set up on this guitar. And that's what happens sometimes when you do all that and you get the action set up and it's perfect, or you do all that and the action isn't, uh, 
you can't get it the way you want it and it's horrible and it, it has to go. But that's what I usually focus on. The things that I can tell and, and I try not to guess, like I think this, a lot of players will look at the thing and go, I could definitely get the action lower. I, you can look at that for sure, but look at all the other things because those are the things you know for sure. I want to I wanna know for sure what it is that I'm looking at. So, so hold on. All right. Uh, shrill music, I think. Musical. I'm trying not to sneeze, guys. Might have to. Uh... <laughs> right. You know that feeling? Like, I think I'm going to sneeze. All right. I'll keep talking. And if I sneeze, then you'll know because you'll get the. Uh, come, you know, whatever the, the be back in a second sign. Um, okay. Uh, shrill musical says, Hey, Phil, seems like I'm always having to tighten in the guitar. Jack, uh, nut. Uh, I, I've read some people put a dab of Loctite, uh, or super glue on the threads before tightening and the nut down thoughts. Um, I don't think super glue works. Uh, in my experience, super glue is really not great at bonding any kind of metal. And, um, it won't, and if you use the really liquidy, um, super glue, uh, cause there's all different kinds of viscosity, super glue, a lot of, I, I you think I'd be versed in this. So I have so many damn different kinds of super glue in my shop, but I just know, like I have a marked as like, this is thick, this is medium. <laughs> this is like the gel. This is like water. And so, uh, there's different kinds. What I can tell you is the water ones are just messy and they get everywhere and they're not going to help you either. Um, to me, I would use a dot, like a small amount of Loctite if you're going to use that. But what I really like to do is replace the output jack with a better quality jack. I find that if you use a quality, uh, quality brand switchcraft style output jack, a quality, uh, pure tone jack, a jack that has st more steel in it. So when it threads it tight, see, my problem is, is you think the vibrations, what's making it come loose is what's really making it come loose is as you tighten it, it's so poorly made that it kind of like the metal's so soft that it, it just smushes and then kind of just comes undone. So I like a better jack. Uh, you can buy a really good jack for about five, six bucks and that will solve that problem. However, if you don't want to do that, um, I've done everything from used a piece of plumber's tape, which is uh, like a silicone tape, or again, a dot of Loctite. That'll usually work too as well, something like that. Sure. Um, but I, I, in fact, I've seen everything you can use, but I would the only thing I wouldn't recommend is super glue. Yeah. So <laughs> just, just, in fact, there's only a few things I use super glue uh, for on guitars and, uh, and I don't recommend you use it. Uh, yeah, for most things, because it's amazing for what it does, and it's useless for what it doesn't do. If that makes sense. Uh, okay, maybe we should do some super chats. How are we doing? Oh, we're doing good, and I'm still gonna sneeze. I can tell. <laughs> okay. Um, let's, let me hit a couple of these real quick. Let's refresh this. And, and, uh, there's, okay. Hector. He no, is that right? Yeah. Hector. Hector says, is it in poor taste to buy and return guitars within 30 days repeatedly? 
my uh, stores always have the same models to try out and I'm not bonding with them. Okay, is it in poor taste? No, uh, I, I've told you before, let me let me just say as someone who sold uh, you know, millions of dollars worth of guitars to people, uh, and it's, it's not, it sounds like a brag, it's not, just to give you the volume, right? That's a lot of handshakes because I sold them one by one to person after person over years. I mean, it was 10, 12 years, 13 years. Uh, so, uh, no, I, I would never like go, oh man, this guy's just constantly buying and returning stuff. Look, you're trying, you want, you want the right thing for the customer. Is there a point where a customer's returned like too many things? Yeah, I think even like companies like Walmart have a, like a, okay, no more, knock it off kind of policy. Um, but I don't think anyone should be in fear of that. I think that really what it is, is this, there's a way to work with business. I'll give you an example. Let me give you an example that just happened to me. Last Friday's show, I told you I had two supersonics right here and the first one had defective switch. The second one had a gap in the spacing between the baffle and the chassis. And of course the uh, tone was darker and the amp was not as loud. I t said to you guys, I was going to keep the top one, which is what I resolved to do. After the show, I went to buy the part, the switch, which was $7 and plus whatever shipping is, and it was out of stock, and I couldn't find it in stock. So I did not want to uh, basically have this amp and not have the switch working and not know when this part's coming in. So I sent a message to the Sweetwater guys, my, my sales engineer, and said, hey, I'm actually not going to keep either one, but please, uh, when, they, when they both show up, just return that onto a Sweetwater gift card. Obviously, I'll find some use for it. So uh, do you have to do that? No, I'm just telling you what I did. Why did I do that? Same reason you're worried about what you're worried about is I kind of feel like, okay, I got an amp. That's not my fault that it was defective. They replaced it. Second one's defective. Still not my fault. <laughs> None of this is my fault. Sweetwater's taking really good care of me. And because they were taking really good care of me and they made everything effortless, I kind of feel like, well, you know, I don't want to, I know me. If I get my refund and my $1,300 back, I'll just go buy something somewhere else. And I was like, you know what? I'll lock it down with them. I'll spend it with them. And I felt like, I feel like that was a good, it made me feel better about the situation. And there's probably going to be an amp I want, probably a supersonic. I'm probably just going to wait. I don't know. Um, but my point, what's my point? My point is same with you. Uh, you know, if you're worried that a retailer is having a problem with you returning to me guitars, I would tell you, look, if you're talking about a major retailer, like, like the Sweetwater guys or AMS or whatever, you're probably gonna have to return a lot before it's a problem is my guess. Um, as long as you're not just actually, you know what? I don't want to put anything in your head that does not, shouldn't be there. Uh, you're the customer. The customer should be right. And you know, the saying the customer's What's the saying? The customer's always right. I've always, I heard another saying that I like better, which is the cu customer is not always right, but the customer is always the customer. I like that one better for some reason. And um, my point is I wouldn't worry about it. The fact that you have, uh, you're paying $5 to ask me this question publicly means that you're probably in tune with someone who is out of control. And so that would lead me to believe you're not out of control. Out of control would mean be like, you know, just constantly buying and returning gear. That seems really nasty to do to a company if you have no intention of keeping anything but there's it's okay if you get something you don't like it you gotta understand that is the business model that they chose to be in i have said this before okay as a retailer <laughs> as someone who i did not want to be an online retailer that's not why i opened a music store i opened a music store the same reason i'm hanging out with you guys live and why i do videos is i want to hang out with guitar nerds i want to talk about guitars i want to have a great experience with other guitar players and that did not translate to me to 
I want to be in a warehouse all day, either supervising or shipping boxes all day because people are buying online. That is not what I'm into, okay? So I chose not to have an online entity, and therefore, uh, when the YouTube thing kind of took over and it didn't help the, it doesn't help the store unless I become an online entity, that's not what I want to do. If they want to be an online entity, returns are part of the game. You would be really shocked at what I what I perceive the return rates at Sweetwater and Reverb are because, as I told you, I have affiliate links, and those are in the tunes of millions of dollars, by the way, as well. Uh, when you see millions of dollars transact each year in these links where I see what you guys are buying. Now, when I say I see, I don't see you guys. I just see the items you buy and the amounts because obviously they pay me a percentage on those things. But I also see the returns because they they take the money back or they don't pay it out to me if it's returned. So there's a large part. When you see a a dividend for $2,000 and you're like, woohoo, two grand, woo doo. And then all of a sudden it's like $1,400. Like, wow, that was $600 of, of returns. I don't mean $600 of items returns. We're talking about 1%. <laughs> okay. So I get 1%. That was, that was $600. That was 1% of what was sold. So you can see how, how much stuff had to come back. So returns are just part of the business and any, any, it's a, you know, they, they should have their big boy pants on and understand that. I don't think you should worry about it too much. Um, but I don't, I don't want also want to condone the fact that I think everybody should just be buying stuff and just, you know, with no intention, you know, buying it, but with no intention to buy it and return it. That's not what I'm talking about. I'm talking about if you bought it with the intent to buy, it but you don't love it, then you don't love it. Return it. Trust me, if they can't make money doing it, they will change their return policies. That would be my guess. John, thank you for the super sticker. I appreciate that, man. At 10 says, Hey Phil, what features draw your eye when you see the styles of a guitar? I hope you have an awesome day. Thank you so much, At 10. I hope you have an awesome day as well. What styles and features do draw me to the guitar? It's interesting. Um, I'm really drawn to paint. I, I uh, it's, you know, it's, I suffer for the same old dude sickness that most old dudes <laughs> suffer from. The, I couldn't have it when I was a kid, so now I'm going to have it when I'm old uh, thing, which is a lot of us. And uh, when I was a kid, uh, it was not fancy woods that I couldn't afford. It was fancy paint jobs. You know, I, I uh, when I was uh, looking at guitars, when I first started getting guitars, it was always funny to me, like a guitar with a, you would, you Ibanez or another brand, the body, the headstock would be black and the body would be a color. And only the most premium guitars had the headstock matching to the body. So now I have this affection towards guitars where the headstock matches the body because I perceive that as being expensive because that was the thing I couldn't afford when I was, uh, younger. And so same thing now, I pay attention to paint. Now, one of the problems also that I have now is I also am an experienced repair person and and uh, and whatever else. And so the point is now I'm also drawn to things that I know are expensive to do. Uh, like for instance, that paint job on that Kiesel, or sorry, not Kiesel, the paint job on that Nags uh, drew my eyes immediately. That's why I bought it because looking at that, I immediately knew that wasn't easy to do. And uh, same with the crackle finish on that Kiesel, uh, getting the crackle finish, that's a dual color crackle, purple and pink. And uh, when I saw they were doing that, that was pretty unique. You know, we had seen a lot of faded crackles, but you didn't see the dual colors in the crackle. It's not as common that you see that. And so that drew me to that as well, because again, I know that's expensive to do. And um, and for those that always want to say, I could do it for 20 bucks in my backyard, then I'm always like, that's awesome. <laughs> but I'm talking about companies and companies charge for that. So as uh, that's what draws my eyes is like cool paint jobs, cool things like that, cool uh, finishes and stuff. So 
Um, it's also probably because most everything else I can do. Like if you wanted me to build you a guitar from scratch right now, I can build you a guitar from scratch. I just can't finish it. I can't put a finish on it. I don't do any paint. I don't do any finish work. I'm not a finisher. I never put any, uh, any, any work into becoming any, doing that stuff. So that's also another reason why I appreciate it. It's because I can't do it or I don't do it. Probably both. Um, DWC says, Hey Phil, I bought a Fender Roadworn Strat with a seven and a quarter neck. Yeah, that's why. Okay. <laughs> Can't get the action down. Yep. Where it is on my nine and a half. Yep. And I thought it was high at uh, four and 64, four Is this to be expected? Yes. That's why I don't like the Roadworns. It's why I have a stupid custom shop Strat because I think the Roadworns are just as good, but I don't want the seven and a quarter inch radius. Uh, uh, here's what I can tell you about seven quarter inch radius necks. When they're right, when the fretboard is right, when everything is magically lines up and it's the best piece of wood you've ever seen and, and everything and the fretwork is perfect and everything lines up, they play like butter. They are amazing. Some of the best playing necks I've ever played. When everything doesn't line up right, they are a nightmare. You're, you're, you know, once you get the action right, you bend and it just chokes out, right? It's like a boat hitting the beach. It's just the, the, the radius is just so extreme that the high E just runs aground before you can get it up a half step. Um, and the same thing with your B string. And, and so, yeah, you have to kind of either make sure those frets are super amazing and everything is super amazing and hope that it works out for the best, or you have to settle for the fact that, yeah, the action won't be exactly where you want it. If you don't want notes to choke out and die. So yes, which is why I try to stay away from seven and a quarter inch uh, fretboard necks. So, uh, yeah. And, uh, for those of you who go, I have a seven and a quarter and I love it. Uh, yeah, but it's also a playing style that affects that. It's also the way you do stuff and that, uh, helps, you know what I mean? Uh, for, for me, I do a lot of bins and bins are not uh, the best thing to do on necks like that, especially the way I do it. I'm pretty, I'm an extreme bender. I don't bend very light. It's one of the techniques I, I don't like uh, that I do. I try to calm down. <laughs> right? It's <laughs> when I do a bend, I, I love the guitar players that just have this subtle, soft bend. And me, it's always like, <laughs> it's just like, I'm just going, it's, it's just like, I'm going for it. And, uh, you know, it, I don't know. It's just in, it's in my, it's in my technique. It's just there. It's part of my guitar DNA. Serang, what's up? He says, Hey, Phil just came by to say Baba Booey. We'll catch this episode on Saturday morning. As always, thanks for the weekly serving of awesomeness. Uh, no problem, man. Enjoy your cup of coffee. I'm sure you're going to be drinking coffee or tea while listening and watching to this. So thank you, Jeff looking to get back into guitar, but I have to be budget conscious and looking at a Gamma 25 amp, but I am torn as to what electric to guitar to get. Uh, you know, I don't know, you didn't say what kind of budget you're looking for in a guitar. Uh, I'm gonna say if you're looking at 300 bucks, don't, first of all, don't, never forget used, right? That's one thing that all of us uh, YouTube channels sometimes forget, <laughs> used. It always comes in the comments, don't forget used. I'm like, oh yeah, used, right? Cause you're always just thinking about, uh, you know, what brands are good or what products are good. Um, used always saves the best money. You know, get yourself a used Squire, get yourself a used Epiphone, something like that, some le legitimate branded guitar, but used, you'll find fantastic deals and all that stuff. Um, I I, uh, I really like the Ert guitars, as I've said many times. I've talked about them many, many times, and I like them. I will tell you that uh, if it helps my, not next review, but 
the guitar that arrived yesterday for the second half of the video. I, as you guys saw, some of you guys may have seen, if you watched it, I did a video where I uh, did the uh, gear exchange for Sweetwater and uh, and then I sold some pedals and I took the pedal, that money, and I bought something. The guitar I bought, I bought it for review. I thought, okay, that's the best thing to do with some pedals because as you guys know, it's like companies send stuff out. Companies send me those pedals. I thought, let's sell those pedals, take that money and put it into another review. That's what we do here is talk about other gear. Uh, the review I did, the guitar, those, some of you guys might know who what it is. I put a little teaser, what it might be on that video if you paid attention. But the guitar I picked is the guitar that's been on my radar for the last, since the beginning of this year. I think it's one of the, I don't know. See, this is where I'm scared because I just said, I think it's one of the best things, but I haven't unboxed it yet. So I don't even know. Uh, I've done unboxing into the video. And um, I think it's one of the best buys I've seen for $299. So we will see. So I'll let you know. So if you're in the budget for a $300 guitar, I have high hopes for this guitar because man, if it's, it's anything close to what I expect, I think it's going to be a fantastic $300 guitar. Like really blow your mind, $300 guitar. Um, Justin says, is a review of the Overdrive special on the radar? Uh, so believe it or not, uh, the, uh, I'm sure you're talking about Amplified Nation. I did the Overdrive Reverb amp and, um, the Taylor, uh, Cox at Overdrive, uh, uh, at Amplified Nation, uh, that video and the podcast did really well. I was very shocked about that. So, you know, very, I, I very rarely am I so overly shocked about a performance of a video. That video is like 130,000 views, 120,000 views. The, the, I think the podcast did 30, 40,000 views way, way more than I was, I'd, I'd hoped for, um, considering it's a $4,000 amp. <laughs> I was like, no, I don't know how many people are in the market for a $4,000 amp. Um, and, uh, I really, 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 really like that amp a lot. Uh, Taylor reached out to me and said, Hey, thanks for everything that, you know, same with him. He's like, all that stuff did way better than he thought. Apparently you guys, uh, apparently there's a bunch of you out there that have some dough, man. Cause you guys, I guess he said he alluded that a lot of, a lot of the viewers bought amps. So good on you guys for having the monies. So go out there and obviously, you know, work it, make that money. Earn. <laughs> I don't know how to be cool. Be like, get your ducats, whatever you do. Um, What's my point? My point is he asked me if I was interested in another amp and doing another video. Um, when I interviewed him in the podcast, if you caught it, it's very subtle. He was talking about one of the amps. And when he talked about that amp in particular, my reaction was like, whoa, right? Um, that's the amp that's coming. I don't know if I should tell you which amp is. I only thing I'll tell you is it's not that amp. He makes an amp that I'm really shocked that he makes, that it's kind of like um, a dream amp for me. There's a, right, like the there's this amp, you know, when he told me about it, I was like, I, I didn't know you made a version of that. There's an amp that I absolutely love, but there's something I really don't like about that amp. He apparently makes a copy of that amp or a clone of that amp, but with the improvement that I always thought that amp should have. Uh, so I'm going to leave it as vague as that. And uh, he said he's going to be sending that amp out. So we will see if that one comes. So the good news is, Justin, why am I telling you that? Because it's not the amp you want me to talk about. Um is that I think if that amp comes and it does well, he'll he'll want to send another amp. That's what he was talking about, doing another amp as well. So I would love to do, I would, hey, I would do all his amps, Amplified Nation. I would do them all. Back to, not because the video did well, just because um, I would say I've been, he has been one of the most interesting people, person, people, person. He's been one of the most interesting builders that I've talked to in the last few years when it comes to how he thinks. He definitely has a more modern way of thinking when it comes to business. Um, 
In fact, to the point where sometimes I don't disclose his name and sometimes I do when I'm talking to other companies and I say, look, this is a, this is a way of thinking I, I think is really cool and I think it's going to change uh, the industry. And, uh, and of course, and then he makes fantastic product. So maybe we'll talk about that one day if you're ever curious. Rob says, as a newer player, would a modeling amp like a Katana be a better choice than a non-modeling one like a bunch of petals? Yes, absolutely. Absolutely. If you're new to guitars and FX and all that stuff, get yourself uh, either a modeling amp or a modeling unit, like a floor unit, but a modeling amp is the way to go. A Katana, absolutely. Get a Katana, learn everything about it. Know your gear. Learn everything about not only that amp, but what that amp, you know, learn how do you like, you know, the chorus, how often do you use a flanger, how often do you use a delay, what overdrives do you like, do you like the higher gain amps, do you like the lower gain amps, play with it, learn it, just like learning music, just like learning anything, learn what you're after, refine what your, what your, your, your palate wants, and then, then that's when you should be hopefully more educated when you're spending that money on a pedal or a different amp, you know exactly what you're looking for, you know what I mean? Uh, because that's, uh, somebody's saying the spark, of course, there's a ton of amps. And by the way, the sparks are on sale again. <laughs> They're like 229. I saw that they dropped back down. That's when they were killer 229. When they dropped up to 300 bucks, notice I stopped having nice things to say about them. I thought that was personally, I just thought that was too much, but at 229, they're, they're back on my radar as a good buy again. Um, they just have too many of them. You can tell they got to get, they got to get rid of them. A lot of companies sitting on a lot of gear, by the way, it should be a good time to buy, a. uh, and don't forget used, right? Especially on Katanas. Um, a Katana, get, buying that stuff this this uh, holiday season, man, there's just tons and tons of stuff. Is It's got to be uh, smoking deals in this stuff because there's just too much of it. There's piles and piles of practice amps going to be sold. So I would definitely go that route. And uh, so think about that. You didn't even need my advice. I just had to repeat what you asked, what you just said. You already knew what to do. Music Therapy Laz, what's up, Laz? He says, I wasn't happy with my Meteora, but instead of returning, Sweetwater paid for the new bone nut, and I dropped in a Vega trim into it, and baby, I love her now. That's really cool. That's really cool, see? And, and that is uh, nice because exactly what I was saying earlier about, you know, you got to keep, keep messing with it. Obviously, you didn't hate it. You said you weren't happy with it. So you didn't hate it. You just weren't happy with it. So you knew that you liked some things and not some things, and so you put some time and effort into it, and I always said... Like I always say, put some time into something you kind of like. Don't put something in time and you hate because odds are you still won't like it. So I'm glad it worked out. Love the Vega trims, by the way. Uh, Keith says, you said before you'd pick software over budget valve amps. Are there any budget low wattage valve amps you would recommend or pick over software? Uh, I mean, no. <laughs> Isn't that horrible? That's horrible. I mean, right. I want to give you, I want to give you a different perspective, but, and, and it's where I'm at now, right? Could I go back two years ago and have an answer for you? Sure. Right. Uh, if I was in a different, if I was in a different place, would I recommend something? Sure. But the question is, what would I do at this point at where I'm at and all the hundreds of pieces of gears that I've reviewed in detail and, 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 and worked with and all the companies I've worked with on R and D and developing product and all the stuff I know now, which is getting to, I'm getting to the point where I think I, I know too much. Uh, I'm not, not a know-it-all. That's far from that. But when I'm saying sometimes you get educated to the point where then you know too much and it's like you can't find joy in certain things because you just knew too much in the backstory. But that being said, at this point, 
to me, everything is either I'm going modeling or I'm going high end. I'm just not interested in the middle of, of, of like what I mean by is like what I said before about, I think I can get a great amp sound out of software. I can get it out of a modeling amp. I can get all kinds of great tones out of something like that. And then if I want something better than that, I need a much better amplifier to get something better than that. That's just my personal preference. But, um, but as for as affordable tube amps, there's tons of great ones. Like I said, I like the way Blackstar sounds. I have, I have nothing bad to say about them. A lot of people complain that they break. So do Behringer's and a ton of other things. And to me, um, you know, again, I will always say uh, affording nice things is a luxury as obviously all this is a luxury, but then there's more luxury when you think about a high-end expensive amp. To me, uh, Blackstar amps are throwaway amps. Like I think about Behringer and Bujera and a lot of affordable type product. When I say throw away, I mean exactly that. You use it and then at some time after a few years, it's, it has a problem and it goes. You know, that's why you get so upset when you spend a lot of money on a high end piece of gear and it does that because you expect it to last longer. You take more abuse. And that doesn't always, expensive doesn't guarantee quality. I'm just saying it's presumed that expensive means that, or it's presumed that if it's expensive, it does have quality. And so. Um, Michael, what's up, buddy? He says, yo, Phil, my 13 year old is starting bass. Is there a book or course that you would recommend? Oh, you know, it's great. Great question. Cause you're, you're a guitar player. <laughs> just laughing. Cause I'm like, you can just teach them. Uh, remember every guitar player can play bass. Um, what would I recommend as a, as a course? You know, I don't know. I don't know. Uh, I don't know whose bass course I would recommend. Isn't that funny? And I don't know what kind of style bass he wants to play. What I will tell you is, and I think you might know this, obviously, with your with your skill sets and production and everything else. Uh, because you know, obviously, I play bass. That's my main instrument. What I will tell you is, as a bass player, there's not a whole lot of joy in not being in a band as a bass player. Like a guitar player being a virtuoso is so normal. Like sitting there just wanking off on your guitar for hours is joy playing bass if you do it by yourself and you're just playing bass you tend to play the stuff that no one wants to hear you know you're snapping a note and doing a thing you want to get in the pocket you want to get rhythm down i can tell you i can tell you as you know it's not you don't have to be technically proficient on bass you just need to be in the pocket you need to be in time so um most teachers are going to recommend that you know he plays with a metronome or a drum track i would say before I would put him on a bass course, I would say, um, <laughs> Matthew says he disagrees. Bass solos are fun for yourself. Everything's fun by yourself. I'm talking about as a, as a like, no one wants to hear that. <laughs> uh, just the, just the bass player. And then the other bass players want to hear that. Uh, so like I said, I would, I would definitely get him playing music as, as fast as possible. Um, when it comes to bass, especially at 13, get him playing. Um, because there's almost no point to learn bass if you're not going to work with other musicians. And, and, and again, it's my humble opinion. So there's tons of good, somebody recommended Mel Bay and stuff. I mean, Michael's in the industry, so he knows all the answers. I think he's just looking for something I have outside of those normal answers. But I would say I would definitely get him interacting with backing tracks and stuff, especially because you have that ability. You can take the tracks and take the bass lines out and get him to play in the bass lines in the, in the music. Definitely, definitely get him to do that. Um, because one of the problems that bass players have, 
<laughs> right? It's tough uh, for bass players is if you just focus on getting really good at bass, when you get with a band, you just become a nightmare for that band to deal with. You're just constantly overplaying and doing all this stuff. Um, when I usually jam with other bands, uh, that's one of the things, that's one of the perks, you know? Um, I, I always know if I did the good, like I, if I play with like uh, uh, Larry Mitchell or anybody like that, I always know I did a good job if they go, Phil X, when I jam with Phil X, uh, I always know I did a good job if they go, oh, you should have cut loose more. And I'm like, I did a good job. Because usually that's the last thing <laughs> that they say. Usually they want the bass player, you know, uh, you don't want the bass player cutting loose. So when they say I, I should have cut loose more, um, that means I was probably doing the right thing. Because uh, I like to just play in the pocket. And then, and then, you know, if I'm lucky, I get to cut loose. Yeah, a lot of people are talking about backing tracks and stuff. Yep, just play play bass. You definitely have to play music. Oh, also teach them the Beatles as fast as you can. <laughs> Make sure that's definitely one of the first. There, think about this. To this day, there's probably no better understanding of, of melody and rhythm when it comes to bass than Paul McCartney. Isn't that funny? There's always going to be somebody who disagrees with everything. Right. So I can't say that's like the end all be all. But I can tell you as a fan of so many bass players, everyone from Marcus Miller is like one of my favorites of all time. Michelle and Dio Cello, of course, is like one of my favorites of all time. Uh, but as a fundamental learning something. Oh, man. Paul McCartney, the Beatles. This is fantastic. Plus, you know what it is? That's great. Um, another thing, that, another piece of advice, especially if a young player learning bass, one of the downfalls of bass is is that unlike guitar, when you learn a song on guitar and you go and show your mom when you're 13, you go, hey, listen to this. And your mom goes, oh, I know that song. Thank you. When you're a bass player, you go and play the song and they go, what's that? And you go, this is the song. And you're like, I don't, they don't know. You play Beatles on the bass, they know it's Beatles because the melody's in there. Uh, Gas Addict says, ahoy, Phil. Ahoy. <laughs> have you seen the new Sweetwater exclusive Squires yet? I have not. I got their modern telly in army green. Ah, oh, yeah, that's my color. Uh, any, any reviews coming, f uh, for them? And do you think it's crazy to spend $500 on Squire now? Uh, I do think it's, uh, crazy that Squires are $500 now. It is absolutely crazy, but unfortunately it's, uh, it is what it is. And, um, and in my opinion, the Squires are better than most of the fenders now in quality, what I've seen. And so the sad thing is I'm recommending Squires over Fenders for the first time ever in my life, doing it over and over again. <laughs> it's just sad, but it's true. If, when I recommend something, especially not here on the channel, <laughs> right? In personal re reference, like somebody's like, hey, Phil, you know, I know you know, what should my get my kid or what should I be looking at for a good, good guitar? I used to always, if you go back, you know, this is 288 episodes. If you go back 100 episodes, 200 episodes ago, you'd see me say Mexican Strat, Mexican Strat, Mexican Telly, Mexican Strat, or an Epiphone, right? Those are like, oh yeah, you know, if you can't go wrong with Mexican Strat, I mean, you just can't go wrong. Now I find myself saying Squire, get a midline Squire, mid-tier Squire and fantastic guitar. And uh, I'm nervous of the Mexican Strat. And here's why I'm nervous. Here's why I'm nervous when I recommend something to someone personally in person. Uh, it's my personality, but what happens is somebody goes, oh, I bought that guitar you recommended. I go, cool. And they go, oh, it's horrible Fred Sprout. It doesn't play great. I'm like, well, bring it over and I'll set it up. And then I just, next thing I know, I'm setting up a guitar for free. And I had nothing to do with. So it gets you know, like, oh, I'll make sure it's right. <laughs> I'm sorry I gave you bad advice. 
So when I recommend guitars, you know, I'm recommending guitars. I think out there, they're just going to tell me later, like, good choice. It sounded great. So I, I think Squire is, is doing better than Fender now. That's just how I feel. Okay. Uh, the Slicknick says, Phil, I love the show. Thank you. I got a Jim Jr. in trade and the knife edges are ruined. Uh, what trim replacement do you recommend? I think that one, because even though it's like a, a an Ibanez bridge, I think it's spaced like a Floyd Rose. It's not like their normal low pro bridge. If I'm not mistaken, again, I'm going to do this off memory. So you might want to go with an actual Floyd Rose type bridge. Uh, it would be better than trying to buy uh, another uh, lower grade Ibanez type tremolo. Um, but that's something that you can easily verify with the spacing. Uh, you definitely want to make sure the spacing is correct. So make sure you measure the posts correctly because you do not want to core drill plug. I don't know why I said core drill and plug those posts and have to redrill posts. That's a, that's a nightmare for a project like that. You just really want to find something that fits right in there. You can replace the posts out very, very simply. Um, and, um, and uh, that's what I recommend. And you can find a lot of great bridges. Me, me personally, this is where the internet will go crazy. Uh, I'm just going to recommend the, the Floyd Rose 1000, the Korean made Floyd Rose for that. I think it's going to be fine. A lot of players are going to tell you no. That's <laughs> fine. It's fine. Uh, uh, is it the best bridge I've ever seen? No, but I've I had problems with them. One in a hundred. So, I mean, usually when people talk about the fact, same thing, problem with knife edge, edges uh, getting you know, damaged and stuff. I mean, you got to put a lot of abuse on on the lower tier Floyd Roses, like the 1000, uh, before I've seen a problem with it. I prefer, so, you know, Godot Bridge, I prefer the German main Schaller bridges. I prefer them. That's up to you if you want to spend that kind of money. The problem is, is now you're talking about two, three hundred bucks at least for the bridge. So, okay, how are we doing? I think we're. Is it time? Is it time to tell the story? Let's do it. Uh, one more super chat. Uh, this is from Curtis says, any idea how long the Ernie Ball Music Man's trademark patent on their four on two headstock will last? Um, I think it's a trademark. I think if it's a trademark, it's essentially going to last a very, very long time. What's trademarks like 50 years or isn't didn't something happen with Disney where the trademarks got extended? Patent would be different. It's much shorter. For instance, like the Floyd Rose patents already expired. So there's no patent on a Floyd Rose bridge. Um, so I would imagine they did not trade or they did not patent that. They trademarked that as a look for and then on two. That would be my guess because <laughs> that's how I would imagine if I was going to trademark or patent something because I've ha I have a couple of trademarks and one patent. Uh, if I was going to do that, I would, that's how I would go. I would think it would be a trademark. So that's how I would approach that. So it's probably a trademark on the look. So long time. I don't know. Did anyone can Google it? What, what's a trademark last? 50 years? Is it, it's not indefinite. I don't think so. But it's much longer than a patent, for sure. Ah, so uh, Jim says he thinks the uh, trademarks now are uh, 99 years. I, that's what I thought, too. Something like that. Because I thought that's what happened. I think Disney was the first... I, again, I think I read an article and I'm kind of recalling Disney having the problem where they basically like their, their trademark was running out on Mickey Mouse or whatever. And they're still like an active company still selling that business. And so they got it extended. So I would imagine that Music Man got a trademark on the headstock. I cannot imagine where you could patent that. So you, 
And then some of you saying a trademark can be forever. Doesn't, I don't know. I know this. Uh, in most cases, here's what I know. Let's, let's start with what I know. In most cases, if you get a trademark, because I have a couple of trademarks, it, that's your kids or grandkids problem. <laughs> it's not going to be their problem because it lasts longer than probably you're going to last um, unless you did it when you're a kid. And, and, uh, and yes, yeah, so, you know, I can't confirm though. So, you know, I remember Ernie Ball, I looked it up cause I did a, a five things video and I had to confirm, uh, that they do, they did trademark the four over two, whatever look. And they did, which is why no one's doing it. I think a couple companies try to pull it off, but if it's a trademark, I don't, when it's a trademark, there's a couple options. One, you can just do it and see if they cease and desist you, but also, uh, some companies could pay licensing. I'm not saying that they are, but that's one of the things with trademarks is you can pay for a license to use it. Probably the most famous in our industry trademark where your licensing deal is, is besides Floyd Rose, where everything said license Floyd Rose. The most famous is obviously DiMarzio's uh, dual cream humbucker that's trademarked. And so therefore you to do dual cream, you have to, you have to pay a royalty or work out some kind of a, a licensing agreement. Yeah, so a lot of you guys are saying uh, that trademarks persist as long as the user is using them. Like, uh, that's the one thing, like I said, as I know, is that trademarks are not something you, you have to worry about as much as patents. Patents do have a set time, and it's different. Okay. Um, okay. Let's uh, let's uh, share a fun story. Let's do that. And we, we don't call the end of the show yet, but we'll share the story. So I guess I told you a story, and then I told my patrons as I do live things with them sometimes. Um, I told them like more of the story, and then they loved it, and they were like, "You got to share this." And I was like, oh, "All right, all right." So I got to share this because it was I didn't know how or what I should do when it comes to certain things that happen behind the scenes. Like, is it something I should share with the internet? <laughs> <laughs> right. And, uh, so they, they said it's a good idea. So I'm going to do that. Um, let's see if I got it right here. Okay. A few episodes ago, I was telling you guys a story. The story was that, uh, when I was in Germany at SpiritCon, which is Hughes and Kettner's, uh, event, I was there with a bunch of YouTube channels. And I told you a brief story that said that they came and said, we wanted to do a photo of, of everyone and they said, tomorrow, make sure when you go back to your hotel rooms, change your shirts because you're all wearing black today, except for uh, a couple. You see there's, there's Henning, right? <laughs> right? There's Vlad in a gray shirt. Uh, and, um, and there's obviously all of us were wearing black. Now, the story I told you was, and then we all said we didn't have any other colors back in our hotel room because all of us bought only black shirts. And so they took the picture outside. There goes the two pictures. The first picture being this one where if we stood in front of that black background, we'd look like floating heads. So we did it outside. Well, that's not the entire story <laughs> that happened there. And the story is so levels of crazy that uh, I just want to share it with you now. So, cause, uh, I think it's, uh, it's crazy. So what happened the next day is not that we took that picture in front of that inflatable Hughes and Kettner amp. What happened was, is Hughes and Kettner had, uh, hired a photography company to come out, right? And they had created a, uh, a backdrop and the backdrop was the last supper. So there was this long table. Okay. 
And uh, those of you who have seen The Last Supper, <laughs> the picture of The Last Supper, uh, then you know what I'm talking about. If you haven't, you can Google it. It's The Last Supper. And so it's a big, long table and it had food. This uh, long table had all the uh, stuff on it, plus some food and wine cups and Hughes and Kinder beer bottles uh, that were beers because they had their own beer. And they had us all reenact the Last Supper with in front of, and Steve Stein was Jesus in this picture. And so he sat there and we were all like scratching our heads going, what, what are they, what are they doing? Like we were all in denial, like what, what's going on? And they're like, yeah, will you stand there? And Steve is going to sit there. And in front of Steve was the spirit floor pedal amp. <laughs> Right, because this is the market. This is where they were. They were not like put ads in guitar magazines or stuff with this. Okay, I'm not. I'm not making this up. Uh, and uh, we were like, uh, okay. Now you have to understand. I'm. We're not rock stars. We're dudes on YouTube. Okay. That, it, maybe it doesn't seem this way to you. I'm sure it does. Like I'm. I'm just a guy, and I had a cell phone. I made some videos, and you guys watched them, and now I have a camera, and we talk on it. Like that's it. There's no like I'm gonna. Like I'm touring around the world. Like I don't know what a press shoot is. I don't know what a photo shoot is. I don't, I, none of that stuff had ever happened ever. Like no one ever asked you to do that stuff. I'm still like, still trying to get over like a handshake and a selfie, right? Like you want to shake my hand? Why? <laughs> right? So, okay. So I didn't know what to do. So I, I had my hat and I tilted it like this and I took my head and this is how I am. So if you ever see that picture, I've never seen the actual picture. Okay. And there's a reason why, but in the picture, I can tell you right now, all you'll see is this and I'm not wearing a know your gear shirt. So I just like, I'm in the background because I did the picture and right when they took it, I went <laughs> right with my head in my hat. So we're all in there and there's Steve Stein, he's Jesus. And we're all like act and they positioned us. So, you know, just like the last supper, like they had the picture and they positioned us. So we do the picture. And we're like, oh my God, what the hell was that? Well, that wasn't the end of it. They go, okay, now for the next photo, <laughs> right? And we're like, oh, okay. They had a giant, like they had a dump truck come and bring a giant pile of rocks. Like it's huge, like a mound of like gravel. It's huge. Uh, 10 feet tall, right? 50 feet big. I don't know, 40 feet wide. It's a big pile. And they have a, pole, like a flagpole, but it's just a piece of metal pipe that looks like a flagpole. And on the end of the flagpole is the spirit processor, the amp, like it's a flag, right? So you understand this is like mounted to the pole. So it looks like a flag and they go, okay, in this photo, you're all going to go up on the hill and like, we're going to, we're going <laughs> to reimagine the, the rising of the flag at Iwo Jima, <laughs> right? And I go, oh no, <laughs> no. I'm like, no, that's not happening. No. And then, and then I'll never forget this. Like, uh, 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 Steve from Boston was like, yeah, bro, I don't think this is a good idea. No. I'm like, nope, not doing that. So we're now we're standing off to the side. Everybody's kind of getting situated on this pile of rock. And then Trey Xavier, if you guys know Trey Xavier's channel, he used to be the Gear Gods channel. Now he's Trey Xavier. Trey Xavier goes, yeah, no, man, no. He just like, no. And I don't know if you know Trey, if you watch his channel, he's a very matter of fact person. He's actually the funniest person when you get to hang out with him because he's really funny by nature, but he's also very direct. And he goes, no way. He goes, I know no one said anything at the Play Authentic uh, Gibson shoot video, but we got to say something now. I'm not doing this. We're not doing this. And so now like there's three of us, right? We're like, now we're not going up on the mountain, so <laughs> the hill, right? 
And the other YouTubers, you can see everybody's like half in, half out. We don't know what to do, right? Everybody's just like, because again, you don't, it's not, you don't know what to do. This is what, I guess, this is what famous people do. Like, we're not famous, but you know, this is what they do. And I go, yeah, no, no way am I doing this. And they go, Phil, you have to get up on, I'm like, no, no. And I think they made Henning, they were trying to make Henning like lift a flag. Like, that's the thing. I'm like, no, no. And uh, they go, Phil, it'd be okay. And then I don't know who said it. I don't remember if it was the, the photographers or if it was one of the other YouTube channels, I don't know who said it, but somebody said, well, we just did, we just did the last supper. So we might as well do this. And I said, yeah, yeah, look, <laughs> half the world probably doesn't believe in Jesus, but everybody believes that World War II happened, right? So I'm not doing this. I said, look, I'm a veteran. I'm telling you right now, this is not going to go over well. We're not doing this. I'm not doing this. I just started walking away. And then Steve kind of with me, Trey was already done. <laughs> He was not doing this. <laughs> We're like, no. So then we took this picture <laughs> in front of the Houston Kid Ram, which to my knowledge is the only picture that ever made it public. Um, the um, I never seen the Last Supper picture. I just don't exist. There is no picture of the rising of Iwo Jima. I think, I didn't participate in it, but I think they actually took the mountain because I, I would left. Like I said, I was like, I'm done. I'm out of here. I'm not doing this. This is crazy. <laughs> right. And, uh, and, uh, uh, and, uh, they basically, I think they reenacted, uh, the scene from Lion King on the mountain. I think they ended up like, <laughs> I think that's what they ended up doing. I don't know. I don't remember. Cause again, I went inside the building. I was done. Um, so, I was telling this story, obviously the patrons, and that's the rest of the story I didn't tell you guys. And they were like, oh, you have to share this. And I said, yeah, but see, stuff like that's crazy. By the way, I have um, dozens and dozens of stories like this uh, where I've been to events or I've been places and this stuff kind of happens. It's always weird and strange and there's levels of it. And uh, that was the question. So the reason why I'm sharing it today is that if that's something you guys think you're interested in, I can every once in a while pop one of these crazy tidbits in that this happens. This is so crazy stuff. <laughs> so um, there, uh, there's more. Like I said, there's there's some crazy stuff. So, uh, but that was the end of that day. So there's the reason why um, we did the Last Supper and apparently not the Iwo Jima thing. So, uh, yeah. But it was a life lesson. We learned a lot. By the way, that was the last time I ever did anything like that. Um, I think all of us, <laughs> I think all of us learn like, and I really believe, so, you know, I, I remember, I, I want to rephrase this to you, I, I re, re say this so you guys know, Hughes and Kettner had hired the photography company. It wasn't Hughes and Kettner asking us to do this. Like Hughes and Kettner had all this YouTube and some actual bona fide rock stars there too. Um, or, you know, guitar rock stars. And they had us all there for the event. And then they hired a company to do photos. And that was what the photos they were doing. <laughs> we're like, this is crazy. This is nuts. <laughs> All right. So now I've shared that with you guys. All right. Now we can we can grow as people and move on. All right. Let's uh let's see if we can talk about some guitar stuff right before we go. Is there any last guitar comments or anything? Questions, thoughts on anything in the guitar world to talk about? Yeah. Um, Declan's like, yeah, definitely want to hear more. There's more to that actually the next day. Declan knows because Declan's one of the patron members when I told the rest what happens the next day and the day after that in that event. And it gets a little crazier than what I just said, but that, that part of the story is over. So if we ever share more, I'll share more, but it, it's not that story now. You've heard it all. Uh, 
<laughs> so. Okay. Um, all right. Any guitar stuff before we go? Can we end on a guitar thing? Any last questions about guitar stuff before I cut loose? Um... <laughs> Okay. Uh, oh, uh, this one's a, how about a deep dive on the Steinberger, uh, Steinberger spirit guitar? Super unique. Yeah, that'd be really cool. Um, I, um, I, uh, um, I don't have one, <laughs> so I can't do that, but I am working on, uh, the, the, I ref I redid the deep dive series, uh, the format, uh, and, um, uh, here's what's great. No, I watched, I actually, I'm not doing it. That's the importance of this. Like, I didn't redo it. I already redone it, put it out. I think it's two now that have been out and no one has said anything to me in the comments or personally that they noticed what the change was. The change is subtle. It's not a big deal, but to me it is because to me, it took the time that it takes to make that video. It cut it not in half, but it cut it by about 30% of the time it takes, which is enabling me to make more of them. So, um, and uh, if you guys want to know what that is, I'm not going to tell you, you got to tell me what it is that I changed. Um, it's, it's again, it's nothing is, um, not, you're not missing anything. It's just, I kind of changed the, I don't know. doesn't matter. I changed something. And it, for me, it was a lot of editing, but, uh, it didn't seem to matter when I obviously I changed it. Cause no one said, Hey, this is different now. They just said, everybody's like, to you guys, it's the same. So um, I would love to do stuff like that. I would like to do, what I'm what I'm proposing to do uh, now, since you're hanging out at the end, I'm assuming that you guys are the diehard fun group. Um, I'm, ch I'm changing, as you guys know, the second channel is something I'm working on. The plan, the goal is at some point, you know, I, I've decided that at some point, the main channel, this channel, will only do two types of videos. I will do... Well, and I, I will be do the podcast that you see now, the live QA interacting podcast about, you know, guitars, the, 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 uh, the industry, you name it, repair, and then guitar related content, guitar being just guitar. So acoustic guitar, electric guitar, guitar, basses, guitar. So reviews and guitars, deep dives and guitars, uh, you know, um, uh, repair videos, uh, you know, modding videos, everything with guitar, pedals, amps, and other right? Any other categories? Like maybe like a, you know, like how I did the, you know, how, what's the 55 point inspection video? I, maybe not that. Maybe the, uh, the, uh, taking the Sweetwater exam thing, that kind of content will go on the second channel. Um, uh, and why is that? It's because, uh, no reason. I just, those are the, those are the, I just want to kind of hyper-focus this more on a guitar only kind of thing. I'm not saying that's going to happen. That's what I've been thinking about doing. And then everything else will go on the secondary channel. And the main reason for that is, is that a lot of the content that I make that's not guitar, like when I talk about amps and when I talk about pedals and when I talk about other things that are not guitar centric only, the views and, and the interactions go down. The views are not so much worried about the interaction. In other words, how much of you guys consume of it goes down. You guys, obviously less of you watch it, but less of you engage with it. So maybe that's more fun for the diehard viewers of the channel and put that on the second channel and, and do that. Um, the other reason, uh, the other reason we, we talked about doing that was, 
Um, one thing that is really cool about the channel that I really like, but it's something that maybe we should address in the future is the channel on average gets a million, million and a half views per month, which is, uh, so 16, 17 million views per year. Been doing that pretty steady. Um, and, um, but when you look at the subscriber rates, my subscriber rate's really low, but what, what, what that really is, is because my subscriber view rate is very high. Um, you know, you hear it all the time from YouTubers like, oh, only 20% of the people that watch my videos are subscribed. Uh, 80% of the people that watch my videos are subscribed, which is good because that means that I, you guys like what I do, but it also means that I'm not making a lot of content that goes beyond the actual internal subscriber base. So something, I don't know, something to think about. I'm not sure. This is one of those things where it's not so much my ideas, but I'm working with some people and that this is the information they're giving me, like how we can improve things, make things better. So we'll see. Let me know what your thoughts. Okay. And on that note, John James says, where's the second channel? I'll put a link to the second channel uh, when I index it so you can get right to it. I should have done that already, but I didn't. See? Um... Because they're talking about wood. All right. Okay. I think I think I covered everything. I did the super chats. I got up the bulk of what I saw. Um, I see one question from Son of John. We'll end on that one. Son of John says, what does he say? He says, I'm looking into getting a Squire Contemporary Telecaster. Please share your experience. I reviewed the Contemporary Strat. I did not do the Contemporary uh, uh, Telecaster. You know, uh, the Contemporary Squire... Uh, Fender had sent out to me. That was back when Fender would send gear out before they knew I was going to take it apart and look at it. Um, or whatever it is that triggered them <laughs> to not talk to me anymore. Um, we, we don't know. We just know that one of the last videos I did was a, a video where I compared their new product to an old product and I took it apart. And then they became like ghost town after that. And uh, you never know. Uh, on a side note, I never know if a company like actually had a problem. Uh, we just assume because some companies are very vocal about their problem with us, right? Uh, what we do here on the channel and, uh, uh, <laughs> more so than I'd ever want them to be. Anyways, back to what I'm trying to say. Uh, I've never did the telly. I never, I've never tried one. Um, but I like that strat a lot. Uh, so I would say, and obviously I'll stick with what I said earlier about some of the Squire stuff being some of the best stuff vendors put out in the last couple of years for sure. Uh, so I, I feel pretty good. If you're, uh, my, my experience is I don't have any with the telly, but I do with the Strat. I really like it. I'm pretty sure the contemporary is what also what, uh, Ron Thorne picked when I said what, when I did the video, what Squire would a, uh, master builder buy? Um, I think that's the one he ended up liking too. I really like that series. I like the kind of modern meets the vintage kind of vibe that I, I think that has, you know, some modernized features, but of course it's a classic guitar design. So very cool. Um, okay. And then, uh, there will be a video tomorrow, but there won't be a live show tomorrow. So you guys know, uh, obviously, and it's cause I'm going off uh, for my anniversary. I'm going to go to see Ellen John. So thank you guys for doing the early show with me today. And, uh, I had a lot of fun. I hope you guys had a lot of fun too. It was fun to share some stuff with you guys. And, um, uh, as always, I want to thank you guys for hanging out today and I hope you guys have a great weekend. Play some guitar. Please, if you get a chance, if you're so inclined, check out the Tim Pierce uh, course, because like I said, it's really cool. And I'm trying to do some other stuff with that as well, but there'll be a lot of stuff with that. I'm really, I'm really excited that they were able to give us something as a, as a, 
incentive for you guys to do it, a discount. And of course this collab, uh, you know, only, you know, uh, member only, uh, video. All right, guys, as always, thank you so much for your time till next Friday, this, the regular time, regular channel, regular everything. Uh, I will see you then until the next time. Know your gear.